0: Welcome to the Plant Power Pantry Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Dobrowanski, an educator, author, and self-trained chef. Whether you're vegan, vegan curious, or simply want to kickstart your health, this is the podcast for you. I believe that small changes in our food choices can make big differences in our health and wellness. So join me each week as we investigate one food item to expand your pantry one step at a time. Together, we'll build a healthy foundation by investigating the history, the health benefits, and I'll provide some tips on storage along with a delicious recipe for you to try. I'm so happy you're joining me in my kitchen to explore all the wonderful food the world has to offer. All right, let's put on our aprons and join me as we open the doors to the Plant Powered Pantry. Welcome back, my pantry people. I know, it's been a hot minute. Well, three weeks to be exact. So I had this great master plan that even though I was going to be traveling for two weeks and visiting friends and being super busy and doing lots of cooking and promoting my book, and I really thought, you know, like, okay, I can front load some podcast episodes and you know so that none of my listeners would miss out and you know time as always just gets away from us and then I come back and I'm immediately thrust back into life and hey you know it's been a hot minute but I am back and I am so excited to be with you once again today So this week, we are going to be talking about probably the most vegan-specific food item that I've talked about to date. So today we are talking about, please pass the nooch, and that is nutritional yeast for those of you who don't know. So in the vegan community, nutritional yeast is sometimes, most times, referred to as nooch. And there's some, you know, question about where that nickname came from. I first heard it listening to Issa Chandra Moskowitz when, back when she was doing the Post Punk Kitchen on YouTube, she has now since become a world-renowned, vegan and promoter of vegan food. She owns two restaurants, has countless books, of which I have two on my counter. Oh, no, three. Sorry, three. And they are hefty and they are full of information. I always joke with people and say, when I grow up, I want to be just like Isa. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So, We always refer to it as nooch. And there are containers that you could buy that are the, I don't know if you remember if you've ever seen like the ceramic containers you can keep on your counter for salt and they have it in different languages. They actually have one for nutritional yeast and it says nooch right across it, which is just a lot of fun. I personally don't own one of thems. One of thems. Listen to me. How out of sync am I? I personally do not have one of them, but I will talk about how I store it when I get to the tips section a little bit later. So throughout this episode, you will hear me refer to nutritional yeast, sometimes as nooch and sometimes as nutritional yeast. It really just depends upon what I'm feeling and how the words are flowing. And there really is no difference between the two. So let's dig right in. Let's open up these pantry doors and talk about nutritional yeast. First, we're going to dig right in and talk a little bit about yeast itself. Because yeast has a history that dates as far back as ancient Egyptians, Israelites, and really just has, in terms of food preparation, been a historic staple. When most people think of yeast, we think of the active form of yeast that we use to leaven bread, or you use as that you can capture and create your sourdough starter, which so many of us did last year in 2020. But it's it's not that. So these golden flakes are made from the same type of similar yeast that active yeast is used from, that's sometimes referred to as brewers or baking yeast because it's alive. And it's deactivated for this final product. And... The nutritional yeast is actually rich in nutrients on its own. But most varieties of what we find today, sold today in stores, are fortified with even more vitamins, which are essential, essential to a plant-based vegan diet. I think it was, I read somewhere around 1950, that nutritional yeast, this inactive form of yeast was dried into flakes and hit the shelves. It was, I believe I read it was the Red Star Yeast who started first packaging it, and they're still around today. And one of their senior business managers of uh, Les Saffray, and I'm probably saying that totally wrong, a French yeast manufacturer who now owns Red Star brand today, Adeline Cheong said, and I quote, it was popular during the hippie time in the late 1960s and 70s, unquote. Fun fact, it's also sometimes referred to as hippie dust. I guess that's where it gets that name. But the nutritional content was really the main draw and really began this rise in popularity of plant-based eating and vegan diets because it helped give us the one thing that could provide vitamins, most essentially B12, a little extra boost. And for those of you who don't know, B12 is one of those nutrients or vitamins, excuse me, that is very difficult to find in plant food. And so when most of us either transition or have been vegan for a long time, B12 is something that we will almost always supplement. The frequency and the type of how you supplement it really is a conversation that you have to have with your doctor, nutritionist, general practitioner, um, or even if you have somebody who a holistic doctor who's focusing on your blood levels and vitamin levels within your blood. But I personally take a liquid sublingual um, dose of B12 at least two, maybe three times a week, depending upon my eating habits and depending upon how much I am working out and burning fat and building muscle. So it really is a very personal decision and very personal choice. But definitely before you start supplementing, make sure you talk with your doctor. I have found myself that the Symblingual works best because my body absorbs it better. I know that there are some people out there, and I have friends and even some family members who have to go for monthly B12 infusions. Uh, And so they are not plant-based, but they still have this significant deficiency. So there are all different types of it. There's also quick release and, and tablets and all kinds. Just make sure that whatever you're doing, you are consulting with your doctor on or nutritionist on or dietitian on, and then also making sure you are getting the most pure source of it. So mine is from a reputable certified um, vendor, And I just order it online and it comes as a recurring part of my supplement pack. Back to nutritional yeast. (laughs) You can now, it is just so, it's become so mainstreamed now that you can find it not only in health stores. So we have a small uh, health store here in town that I know has a couple locations across the United States, which I know I can always find it there. I can also go to my local Trader Joe's and they produce a line of it that I like. I know I can also go to my local big box grocery store and find it, um, usually with the Bob's Red Mill. And this podcast is not sponsored by any of those people. I'm just telling you where I find it and where I get my product, where I buy my nooch from. Um, And, you know, it's sometimes... For the most part, I buy it in a bag or a, you know, a container type, but I've also been in some larger stores that have this magnificent bulk section where that I can buy it in bulk. The only thing with whenever you're buying it, just make sure that it's sourced from a reputable um, producer. and then also you're making sure you're checking the expiration date. Because sometimes, and this is not often, it is a very rare occasion where I will find either a bag or even some of the bulk section that is going to expire quicker than I can use it. And so I always want to, I'm always checking that just to make sure that I get the most prolonged life out of it. Because it is, you know, you can buy it, like I said, in bulk. And so if I'm buying it, I'm buying quantity of it. And so I want to make sure that I'm getting the most bang for my buck with that. Let's talk health benefits of nutritional yeast. So nutritional yeast is rich in thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, B6 folate, and often vitamin B12. And all of these are B vitamins are work that work in a complex way. And it is essential for providing us with energy and helping us maintain proper brain function. Among many important other functions, they are also essential for healthy hair, which I know is something that we also all care about. In fact, these B vitamins wear many hats in terms of their role in our body. In addition to energy production, brain functioning, rebuilding of hair, they also have an impact on our fat burning, sleep, and So much more. What's more is that B vitamins are often depleted during stress, which all of us face more than ever, and some of us more than others. This makes the need for the daily consumption of B vitamin rich foods all the more important. And B vitamins, unfortunately, can also be depleted from eating too much junk food. Vegan, non-vegan. I mean, I know myself, I've had those moments and, you know, just these past couple weeks was one where, yes, I was eating, you know, fairly healthy compared to a typical American US diet, but I was having a lot of vegan uh, junk food, not, you know, eating out a lot. And so... I wanted to, when I got home, make sure that I was, you know, giving my system that jumpstart again since, you know, I knew I was probably depleting my B vitamins um, over my most recent trip. But a deficiency specifically in B12 can be identified by cysts, uh, symptoms of fatigue, vision problems, soreness of the mouth. And while B12 helps create strong hair, nails, skin, it also helps to maintain a healthy digestive system. B12 helps reduce those fatigues and regulates our central nervous system and then helps us also minimize stress. So this little vitamin is a powerhouse. And with other B vitamins, when your gut can manufacture... And synthesize missing components, your internal ecosystem becomes more balanced and you then have a healthy ratio of probiotics in your gut, which helps you then regulate not only digestion, but also just that feeling of fullness and keeping that healthy ecosystem and micro ecosystem in your gut, active. So it has long been believed that nutritional yeast contains vitamin B12 naturally. There's still a lot out on that. There's some who say yes, there's some who say no, but unlike other microorganisms, uh, yeast has a difficult time producing vitamin B12. And that's probably the reason why many new products containing B12 are fortified with it during the end process prior to um, packaging. So it's at the end of that fermentation, the end of that, um, of that end production in which the B12 then is added to it. And this is not necessarily a bad thing. It is not. Because at the end of the day, it still means that you are getting a product that's been fortified with, again, if you're buying it from a reputable source, a reputable addition of B12. Now, ultimately, as a vegan, I have not And I will not rely solely on nutritional yeast for my B12 needs. And that is because it is such an important vitamin and there's more of a risk for us who don't consume animal products to have a deficiency. And so that's why, as I said earlier, I think a multifaceted approach to B12 is best. And that is also why, I have, in conjunction with my doctor, chosen to supplement my B12 in addition to still consuming it through my newch or through some other fortified foods. Another thing about nutritional yeast is that it contains 71% of protein by weight. Now, yes, it does not weigh a lot, but for those of you who keep track of things like this, that is impressive for a plant food. But it also helps balance amino acid composition. And then when you couple that with your protein, it helps your brain, your body, and your muscles tremendously. I personally love this about nutritional yeast Because so many of the quote-unquote high-protein processed foods for vegans or even vegetarians are actually much higher in fat or carbs. So, for instance, nut and seeds, yes, they have a very high protein content, but they also contain a lot more fat than they do actual protein. Are they still good for you? Yes, in moderation, but you don't rely upon just one source of food to get your protein or to get your vitamins and minerals that you need. So when you think about lagoons, such as beans, lentils, they're also praised and I've praised them on this show for their content. But again, if you're watching your carbs, they're very high in carbs than they are in protein. So nooch is very unique in that it is truly a protein-rich food, low in fat, low in carbohydrates, and is very easily digestible. Now, while I am not a big believer or promoter of loading up on massive amounts of protein and, and tracking every single gram we eat, I think most people are getting too much. I mean, let's face it, we are living in a protein-centric society. You know, that is one of the first questions I, I received 21 years ago and still receive to this day. How do you get your protein? Well, I get it through multiple sources and nutritional yeast happens to be one of them. And it is an excellent source of that, especially if you're active Because as I said before, it helps in that rebuilding of your muscles and energy levels. But it also, you need sources of protein and need to be a little bit more aware of it if you're trying to build strength or muscle. Very specifically, if you are training for some type of competitions. But I personally am not in that phase right now. I'm not training for a competition I'm not training for any races. And I'm really just looking to keep my overall tone and to keep my overall physique. And so it really isn't a top priority for me right now because I know I'm getting it with every meal. And I know that me, including nutritional yeast, I'm also helping build those numbers and keeping my body in a healthy rhythm and a healthy balance, all in all. And that's really what it's all about. Tips for storing and cooking with nutritional yeast. So nutritional yeast, you have to, and this is so important, keep it in a cool, dry, dark place. It is not the type of thing that if you buy it in the package that you can open your package and then just put a clip on it or put it in a Ziploc bag and then just put it on your counter. Um... The container I was talking about earlier is typically ceramic, so it is a dark and dry place because it has a sealed lid on it. I personally, what I do is I take my nutritional yeast, I will put it into a large mouth mason jar, as you all know that I love. I will make sure that it's sealed up tight. I will label it with not only what it is, but the date that it expires on it. And then I keep it, In my refrigerator or my freezer, depending upon which has the most room at the time. And it can stay there for up to two years. I also have a small package of yeast that I, nutritional yeast that I actively use. And so if I'm making something and I just wanna sprinkle some on a salad or if I wanna put some on popcorn, I keep some. I have a a sealed dark container that I will keep just a small amount in, In I have one of those corner roundabout, lazy Susan spice um, cabinets in my pantry, in my kitchen. And so I will keep a little bit of it in a dark container that I have right on the front of it, um, but I don't keep a lot in there. And really for the most part for me, it's kept in my fridge and freezer. So what happens is the only time it's exposed to light is when I open the doors And that typically really just only happens if I'm cooking or preparing to cook and they don't stay open long. So I'm not that type of person that opens the refrigerator door and leaves it open for the light to be on. Um, I can tell you our refrigerator in our kitchen is just about 18 years old, probably. And you know, it's a side-by-side. So fridge and freezer combo is that old and... I've yet to replace the light bulb, so I don't keep it open that often. And so it's for me, storing it in the mason jar in my fridge is a perfect choice. If you have other another type of container that light cannot absorb into, and as long as it can seal, um, feel free, have at it, put it in that. But I would definitely make sure that you label it in some way with its expiration date. Because it's one of those things that if you don't use it or cook with it regularly, you will forget that you have it. And you'll go to the cabinet one day and look for it and and see that it's expired. And that's the last thing you want to do is start using expired food. So make sure that when you are storing it, you are storing it properly. When cooking with nutritional yeast, these... This beautiful, small, and it's a bright yellowish flake. It is known for imparting this nutty, cheesy umami taste. And umami is that that sixth taste where it's like all the all the all the other tastes come together perfectly and create uh, this umami in your mouth. And nutritional yeast definitely brings a savory hit to dishes. One thing I've learned over the years is a little bit goes a long way. And trust me, I've learned this the hard way. And the the main way I've learned this is because I as you know, as I talked about in the in the episode about popcorn, I love my popcorn. I love my snack food. And I was always trying to create that that cheesy type of popcorn flavor. And so I would just dump my nutritional yeast on it thinking that more was better and it never tasted right. And there were times where I've actually had to throw it out and start again. And that's when I found out that a little bit goes a long way with it, especially when you're adding it to warm dishes. So if my popcorn is just coming out of the microwave or out of the air popper and it's still warm, just a little bit of a sprinkling of it and then a nice quick toss goes a very long way. It can also be added to almost any dish. I, in the wintertime, if I've made a big pot of vegetable minestrone, which is one of my favorite soups to make, especially if I have that end of that fall season vegetable sitting on my counter and I don't know what to do with, I will always toss together a minestrone soup. And before I serve it, I will always take a little bit of nooch and just kind of sprinkle it on the top. Because it gives it that little bit of, of nutty tanginess that we're used to getting through some uh, non non vegan based um, cheeses that you know you, that you look for sometimes and that you miss, and so I'll always I can sprinkle a little bit on top of my minestrone right before I eat it, and it it just puts it over the top. And then one of my favorite ways to have it is in today's recipe, which, no surprise, is another snack recipe. (laughs) I promise I'll do something bigger soon. Um, But it is a cheesy, crispy kale chip. So let's put our aprons on and start cooking. Okay, let's make our cheesy crispy kale chips. For the record, today I am not using a dehydrator for this recipe. I use my oven. I still have not had the opportunity to find and purchase or be gifted, hint, hint, a dehydrator yet. And yes, I know I can use my, 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 I, gosh, the ninja, the all in one cooker. But I really haven't just ventured onto that yet because it's summertime. I've been spending a lot more time cooking outside instead of inside. So if you have an air fryer, just make sure that you follow those directions um, that come with it. Uh, Not the air fryer, I'm sorry. If you have a dehydrator, see now I'm getting all confused. If you have a dehydrator, make sure that you're following your manufacturer's instructions. But if you are also using your air fryer, make sure that you're following your manufacturer's directions with regards to dehydrating uh, kale. And let's get into this. So the first thing you're going to do is preheat your oven to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. You're gonna take two large... Uh, baking sheets and either line them with par- uh, with parchment or if you have a silicon baking sheet you could put that on there or if you're using the silicon baking sheets that's all you need we're gonna take two large heads of curly kale and this is the fresh kale um do not you can try to buy the kale that's pre-packaged. But the problem with that is that there's a lot of stems in it and it's very bitter and you don't get like these big, nice, big chunks of kale leaves. And so this is the type of recipe that I will splurge a little bit and buy, you know, fresh kale on, whether I can get that at my farmer's market or sometimes I'm just going to my local grocer to get it. I will splurge on fresh kale for this. And you can kind of use any type of kale, Um, I haven't really seen a lot of varieties here on the East coast in the United States, uh, very recently, but the curly kale or this, it's usually green kale is how they refer to it in my store is the, the one that's most there frequently. And so I will pick up two heads of that when I'm wanting to make this recipe. So we have two large heads of curly kale A quarter cup of tahini, which is nothing more than just pressed sesame seeds. A quarter cup of fresh squeezed lemon juice. A quarter cup plus two tablespoons of grapeseed or olive oil. Or you could also use avocado oil if you have that on hand. Two teaspoons of sriracha. A half a cup of nutritional yeast, and a quarter teaspoon of sea salt. So as your oven's preheating, what you're going to do is you are going to peel all the kale leaves apart. You're gonna rinse them off really well and pat them dry with a towel. Then you want to remove the stems from the leaves. And I usually just take my small paring knife. I start on the inside of the stem at the large end and just run it down along the side of it And then do the same. It usually creates this V-like look um, in your kale, but that's what you want. You want to try to keep your leaves as large as you're comfortable with. Um, I will try, typically try to do about, I don't know, maybe like a two to three inch size uh, leaf. And I try to cut them into as triangles as I can. Um, But... What you do is you do this for all of the kale leaves. So you take that, then you take that pile of discarded kale stems. So the stems, because they're so bitter and it's really hard to get that bitterness out of them. Add them to your veggie broth bag that you've started in your freezer, or you can actually toss them into your smoothies because the whipping up of your smoothie kind of removes a lot of that bitterness. I also have a lot of friends who feed them to their dog as a special treat. So really that's up to you. Um, So then what you're going to do is in a small bowl, you're going to combine the remaining ingredients to form a thick paste. So you're going to take your tahini. You're going to take your fresh lemon juice. You're going to take your uh, olive oil um, or your grapeseed or avocado oil. You're going to take your sriracha. And then you're going to take your nutritional yeast and sea salt. Put all of that into a small bowl. I usually just take a fork and just, you know, kind of whisk it up together. And it's going to form like this thick paste. And then really all I do is I take that and I pour it all over my kale leaves, which I've transferred to my baking sheets, and I just kind of split it up and pour it all over those. And then I just take in my hands the two greatest tools in your kitchen and kind of just massage that cheesy goodness mixture onto the leaves, making sure that I'm covering both sides of the leaves so I'm really getting in there and working with it um, you can do this in a large bowl if you want to. If you're not comfortable with just you know splitting it out already, so if you do it in a large bowl, you just put all your leaves in a large bowl, pour your um, your 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 paste mixture on top of that, your cheesy paste mixture on top of that, and then just start going to town and working on it. That that massaging helps remove that bitterness that's kind of left over in those leaves, but it also ensures that all of those leaves are coated nicely with this cheesy goodness paste. Then you're gonna take them, make sure that they're in a single layer on your baking sheet, on your baking sheets, pop it in the oven for one hour. Now mind you, your oven is at a low, so this is the low and slow. You're gonna put it in there for one hour. Then you're going to flip your leaves and then bake it for an additional 45 minutes to one hour. You have to keep an eye on it. If you're going to leave it in for an hour, like if 45 minutes isn't enough, definitely don't go too far because it can burn very quickly. Um, So make sure that you're checking it every five minutes or so. And once you see it get like all that, it turns this beautiful golden brown and your leaves turn this dark Rich uh, color of green. Once that is there, take them out of the oven. And this is the hardest part. You have to leave them there, take them out of the oven, place them on on a rack, or if you have a separate um, range hood, place them on that to just sit there and cool. When they first come out, they may not seem very crisp, but as they cool they will crisp up now do not take these and immediately pour them into a bowl or pour them into a bag thinking well they can cool in the bag or they can cool in the container and they're still going to be fine no leave them in the single layer and let them kind of crisp up until they re- until they get to that your desired consistency i usually walk away because otherwise i'm just too tempted And they will sit there sometimes for up to an hour um, before I come back to them. And they are just delicious. Now, these in my house usually don't last that long in order to make it into a large storage container. But if you are storing them, you can store them in an airtight Ziploc bag. You can store them in an airtight container container. Typically, I only have a little bit left, so I'll put them into my little um, snack-sized serving containers and just kind of munch on them throughout the week or toss them into a lunch, and that way I have them. These are also great if you have some leftover. If you take them and they're nice and crispy and just kind of crinkle them and just put them on top of a salad, uh, it's delicious. It just brings your salad to a whole nother level and gives you a little bit of that crunch factor that you sometimes look for. All right, my friends, I'm so happy to be back. And I'm so happy to have you joining me today. And don't forget, check us out on Instagram at the Plant Powered Pantry and post a picture. Share what you're making, whether you're making these kale chips or something else with your nooch. Either that or if you have a question, send me a quick DM and I'll be happy to help you out. Thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen today. I enjoyed our time together. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Plant Powered Pantry Podcast. Also, if you have a minute, do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really means a lot to me. Also, to stay up with all things plant-powered and to get today's recipe, please visit plantpoweredpantry.com. All right, my friends, until next week, keep on cooking.